You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. <laughs> this is Locked On Hornets. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. We are free and daily wherever you get podcasts, including on YouTube.com, where you can subscribe, set your notifications Watch us live like we were live last night during the draft. It was an amazing show with David Walker, Nada Edwards. Thank you so much for everyone that jumped into the chat and, and was a part of that show. It was a really special show. Um, you can catch more of my work on everyhornetsboxscore.com. I'm Doug Branson. I'm typically joined by Walker Mail from WFNZ. You can catch him 12 to 3 weekdays here in Charlotte on WFNZ on the Wes and Walker Show, where I'm sure they're going to be diving deep into this entire draft today and all next week. Walker and I are going to link back up early next week uh, to talk about this. I'm coming to you right now from an undisclosed bunker hideout hotel room here in Uptown Charlotte as I prepare to launch back to my home base of Nashville, Tennessee. But before I did that, I wanted to jump on here and talk a little bit about some of the second-round picks that they made, James Najee, Amari Bailey, and also a surprise, number 27 selection, Nick Smith Jr. Got to talk about that as well. But first, we've done a lot over the past month, and even before that, diving in to two players, Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson. And we're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to put a microscope on Brandon Miller's game as we try to figure out, as we approach Summer League, we try to figure out where does this guy fit into this roster, into this rotation. So we're going to continue to do that. There will be plenty of time for that. But I think what everybody's talking about right now is the reaction to the pick. And it was mixed at Spectrum Center, apoplectic at Crown Club. If you've seen the video, go check that out on you on uh, Twitter or whatever. Uh, Crown Club is a fan organization, fan club for the Charlotte Hornets, started by the guys that did Bring Back the Buzz, which was the group that was you know, leading the charge on bringing the Hornets' name back to Charlotte. The fan reaction was negative. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if the organization was surprised by that because I think they're not unique in that I think sports front offices often operate in a bubble where they're not necessarily taking fan fans into account. You, you know, I think their viewpoint is we know basketball. We look at this a lot deeper and we're going to make this decision that's best for winning basketball games. And that then all of the fan stuff will take care of itself. Right. If the pick is good and we win playoff series, then then fans will forget all about it. And I think that's that's true. The problem, of course, with thinking that way if you're the Charlotte Hornets is that they haven't won playoff series. They haven't won a playoff series in 21 years. And, and they're coming off of a losing season that followed to play-in blowouts where they didn't even make the playoffs. They have the longest playoffs drought active in the NBA. And so there isn't <clears throat> institutional trust amongst the fan base. And so it's not a surprise when 75 to 80%, according to the polls that we put up on YouTube, 75 to 80% of the people that watch this show wanted Scoot Henderson to be the pick. They saw the all-NBA potential. 
and, and I don't know how much we didn't really pull this. I don't know if you looked at that 80%, how much of them would have also been okay with, or were, were, were good with Brandon Miller, but wanted Scoot Henderson more. And how many of those folks thought there was actual bus potential with Brandon Miller and, and not bus potential with Scoot Henderson. If I had to speculate, you know, I think there's a large part of this fan base that feels like Brandon Miller has the potential to be a good player. But they thought Scoot Henderson had the potential to be a great player. And when you're selecting number two overall, you want a superstar. That's the expectation. Whether that's fair or not is beside the point. And I think a lot of people are going to look at this reaction and go, is that fair to Brandon Miller? And and I think, no. You know, Brandon Miller, on the court, did everything he could to make the case that he was a number two overall selection. SEC player of the year, faded a little bit down the stretch. How much of that was injuries or mono or whatever? The talent is obviously there. Went through multiple workouts. Showed something. The shooting talent is undeniable. So is it fair for fans to boo him? Probably not. But that's the situation that Brandon Miller walks into. And it's not his fault that there have been a number of draft picks that haven't worked out for this organization. Pre-Mitch Kupchak, post-Mitch Kupchak. There are, there are draft picks that you can point to. LaMelo Ball, obviously. Mark Williams seems like it's going to work out. But there have also been a lot of situations that were super questionable. Trading, Miles, trading for Miles Bridges and, and drafting Shea Gilgis-Alexander and trading that pick away. James Booknight, Kai Jones. A lot of pe- People have to remember, a lot of people loved that draft. Like the pundits loved that draft for the Charlotte Hornets, and it didn't work out. So that's the situation that Brandon Miller walks into. And it's not fair. And I think fans will ultimately come around very quickly. There was a lot of emotion. There was a lot of anticipation. There was a lot of Vegas odds flipping. There, there was, uh, you know, these were two very different players. And so I think that's always going to engender a strong reaction. And again, you, you couple that with years of playoff drought, of on-court frustration, of off-the-court frustration. You know, I, I don't. I don't think you can discount that. That that the uh, drama that this team has been involved in that has actively hurt their ability to compete. Miles Bridges, James Booknight, all that, all of that. Uh, the fan base is frustrated, and, and if if the organization can't see that, then I don't really know what to say at this point. But it, it is unfair to Brandon Miller. But that's the situation that he walks into. And the challenge for him is, do, do you let that bother you or do you allow that to fuel you? And hopefully they selected the kind of player that, that is fueled by that, is saying, okay, the fans booed me. I'm going to take that personally in a healthy way and now use that to come out and show them, okay, you might have booed me on, on draft night, but you're not going to boo me for very much longer because I'm going to have such an immediate impact on winning basketball games that I'm going to be undeniable. You want the player that you take second overall to be undeniable. And you want it to happen quickly. Is that fair? Maybe not. But that's professional sports. That's what he's walking into now. Listen, 
there are other fan bases that would have reacted the same way, that actual that actually have playoff success. And, 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 and you know, people joke about it. I mean, you know, New York Knicks, right? Knicks fans. They're constantly booing their draft picks. They actually do have playoff success to fall back on. The Hornets don't even have that. They're frustrated. They're angry. Is that fair? Probably not to Brandon Miller, but I think that's beside the point. And I think now the challenge for Brandon is to come into – it starts in Summer League in July with an opportunity to show fans, hey, there was a reason this team took me – and there's a reason they didn't take Scoot Henderson because I'm better than Scoot Henderson. He has that opportunity, and it's going to happen very quickly. Okay, we're going to next week get into this much more, but I want to shift gears and talk about the the picks that they made after our live show ended. So coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. I'm shocked. I'm shocked at what they did at number 27. I'm shocked at who they took, but I'm shocked that they even make the pick. Uh, I'll explain why in the next segment. You're watching Locked On Hornets, and we are brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fixed that issue by inventing Thomas Edison over here. They invented cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement bird dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long um, so go to birddogs.com forward slash locked on nba and you're going to get a free yeti style tumbler with your order um, that has become an essential part of my daily water intake great tumbler that's birddogs.com forward slash locked on nba for a free yeti style tumbler you don't want to take your you're not going to want to take your bird dogs off we promise you okay more locked on hornets ahead so we had gotten plenty of hints that the hornets who had five picks in this draft were not going to use all five picks and i assumed that one of the picks that they would move would be the number 27 overall selection. A pick that you have to remember that they acquired because they traded one of their first-round lottery picks last season. Uh, The 11th pick last season, they traded that pick for the number 27 pick in a package of second-round picks. And I criticized that move at the time because you're essentially trading the 11th pick in the NBA draft for the 27th pick in the next draft. Okay, 27 is a higher number than 11, which is not great when you're talking about draft picks. There's a little math for you. So they traded for a worse pick, essentially, because everybody knew that De- I don't think anyone knew that Denver was going to win the championship. I don't think anyone was willing to go out on that limb. But I think we were all safe to bet that a Nuggets team that was getting Jamal Murray back into the fold was going to at least be a playoff team. But besides that, the pick that they traded for was lottery protected. So even if even if Denver had suffered multiple injuries to star players and bottomed out, there was no chance of that pick becoming a better first-round pick. And I, I think that they, they traded that 11th pick. I, I think there were financial considerations involved. You, they did not want to bring in two lottery picks after having already made a trade to bring in two first-rounders in Booknight and Kai Jones – and, and having them not get a lot of minutes in their rookie seasons 
did not want to bring on contracts for two lottery players that they were unsure about in terms of playing time and development. So they traded into this draft, which was going to be a deep draft, but not deep enough to justify trading 11 for 27. Not, it wasn't that deep. But you get to 27, and I thought, okay, the Hornets are probably going to trade this pick. Bringing on two first-rounders again after and, and the second-round picks? But they shocked me by taking Nick Smith Jr. out of Arkansas, number 27. If you've listened to me for a long time, you know that I don't love the idea of taking the falling star in a draft. The guy who, you know, and, and, and uh, unfortunately, the guy that I liked in this draft, Cam Whitmore, was also a victim of this. He fell, I believe, to 20 to the Houston Rockets. I don't normally like taking that guy. Why? Because a lot of people will look at it and go, wow, value pick. Nick Smith Jr., top three recruit, uh, was, you know, when he was healthy at Arkansas, was a dynamic scorer. Um, and somebody that could have been a top pick had everything broke right for him, broken right for him. But I don't like taking it because there's a reason guys fall. These guys all meet with multiple teams. And then the, uh, everyone sort of talks with one another. And so, sure, a guy can fall maybe unfairly occasionally. But I think when you look back at the history of the draft, it's full of guys that fell for a reason. And occasionally there's a guy that falls unfairly and you go, wow, how did that player get all the way there? It happens. I mean, Devin Booker had a pretty precipitous fall. And, and Phoenix, you know, scooped him up. And so you're looking at that situation and going, man, I hope that's what the Hornets just fell into. I hope they fell into a situation where they got a Devin Booker-level player that's going to shock the world. Is that is that Nick Smith Jr.? Uh, we're going to find out. And, and it's a great combo guard pickup. Could be a potential Terry Rozier replacement because that's what Scoot would have been. And so now you're still really kind of looking for that. Who's the combo guard of the future? Who's going to be the player that um, – can either back up LaMelo Ball at the guard position or possibly play alongside LaMelo Ball if you envision a stronger version of Brandon Miller that's more of a 2-3-4 guy instead of like a just a 2-3 guy. So that could be Nick Smith Jr.'s route. And look, you know, when you're taking players, this is why I don't love fit. You know, I don't even love having that discussion about like, well, you take Nick Smith Jr. to be two so that you can have Brandon Miller to be three. You, you draft the best players. And if Nick Smith Jr. is a Devin Booker level surprise and becomes undeniable, then you play him. You know what I'm saying? You just take the, be- you take the best talent and let everything work itself out. Uh, but Nick Smith Jr. is a super exciting scorer. There, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Um, you know, great first step, great draw, can finish through contact, has a nifty number of moves that he can use to score and showed those off when he was healthy. And it's the injury concerns, I think, that that are the most troubling and probably why he fell because he wasn't able to fully get recovered in that season. And so the question is, is is he all the way there? Or can he get there? And and will those injury concerns uh, rear back up in his rookie season or beyond? Because the Hornets are already dealing with that you know, injury concerns with the guard position of LaMelo Ball. And I think it's part of the reason why they'll bring back Dennis Smith Jr. So a a lot of concerns there, but I think ultimately I I don't love taking the falling star, 
But if you're going to do it, do it at 27. You know, I mean, I don't love the idea of doing it at 11 or 13. I'm still stung by the Noah Vonley selection several years ago where they took, you know, Noah Vonley looked like a four or five pick and they take him nine and they get him in uh, because they didn't have a chance to work him out. They get him in and he just doesn't, he doesn't know. He was just a raw talent. He didn't know like how to run sets or read defenses or, or play defense or know where to be on defense. The NBA game overwhelmed him. <clears throat> I don't think that's going to happen with Nick Smith Jr. I mean, this guy's a hooper. So um, I think if you're going to do it, do it at 27. I did want to see the Charlotte Hornets <clears throat> be a little bit safer in this draft and take some players that didn't that weren't just like super high risk, high upside guys. Uh, but I think Nick Smith Jr. And, and this is the way the organization felt. It was like you couldn't pass him up. And uh, hopefully, hopefully it works out. We're, we're going to dig more into his game as well, get a little bit more in detail as next week rolls around. But coming up next on the Charlotte, uh, coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. They also made some second round selections: James Naji and Amari Bailey. A little bit more on them. Uh, but first, let me tell you about Game Time. Uh, get buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They've got killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over those tickets and start getting hyped uh, for the fun that you're going to have at these events. You don't want to worry about the tickets. You just want to have fun. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget the planning months in advance. Nobody wants to do that. That takes too much work. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On NBA, all one word, for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Prize Picks. It's the great way to get more out of uh, the games that you're already watching. How does it work? Well, you pick two to six players from a game, and if they they go on to score more or less than their prize picks projections. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. You don't compete against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. So that includes the NBA, but it also includes the NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, a lot of soccer going on right now. WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. There are safe and fast withdrawals. They are currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the Prize Picks app. Start playing today. Go to prizepicks.com, sign up, and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. All one word, Locked On. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Price Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. More Locked On Hornets ahead. 
It was a very Mitch Kupchak move, trading multiple second round picks to move slightly up into the top of the second round, very similar to what they did to acquire Bryce McGowan's. They did it again this time to get James Anaji, who uh, is a center, played for Barcelona, is from Nigeria, extremely long, big guy, 6'11", 250, uh, big wingspan, a little bit reminiscent, uh, just body type and game of Bismack Biombo, another Hornets and Bobcats uh, draft pick. Um, and, and I think Mitch Kupchak telegraphed this move a little bit by mentioning in the pre-draft uh, interview or media availability that he did that when he was talking about potentially trading picks or not making all of the selections, you know, he did mention, hey, there's an opportunity to take some players that you can draft and stash taking some international players that can play internationally for a few years, and then you bring those guys over. And, and from what I read, it seems like the process, if, if James Najee jumps off the page and plays well internationally, the process of bringing this player back to the United States to play for the Hornets or to play for the Swarm would be a relatively easy process because sometimes when you get these draft and stash guys, there are the, the amount of money necessary to get them off of their international deal sometimes prohibits them from immediately or prohibits the flexibility of an NBA team to bring that guy over. I don't think that that's the case with James Najee. I think the process would be simple. This is a young guy, 18. You know, I, I think it's going to take some time for him to, to, again, get a little seasoning before he's even introduced to the NBA game. But look, you can't deny the, the body stats, six foot 11, seven foot five wingspan, 250 pounds. And this guy has like an NBA level frame. You know, he can play physical, he can play aggressive. Um, and, and th- there are some like real, you know, there's some real explosiveness here. There's some real athleticism here. This is not a guy. I don't think this is a guy that you would categorize necessarily as a plotter and a huge motor crashes the glass. And so, you know, I think the reason why you get him in the second round is because of inexperience. And I think the reason why the Hornets traded up to get this guy is because there was some real talk of, of Najee going in the first round. So I think the Hornets were waiting to see, look, is this even a pause? I don't think they would have traded that, that 27th pick opportunity to move up to 20 to take Najee if they felt like Najee was going to go 20. But once he fell out of the first round, then I think it was all bets are off, and then they're trying to you know put the package together to wrangle that 31st pick from Boston, who themselves traded to get to that 31st pick. Um, so just a really interesting name, but an extremely raw name. You're not going to see Najee play I don't even think you're going to see him in summer league but you're not going to see him play in a legitimate Hornets uniform uh maybe for a couple of seasons so so just prepare for that but you know these are the kind of moves that may end up being nothing and may end up being everything um there are some real success stories that that come out of situations like this and 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 I think that's what what's getting people excited this is a move I like because you know, even though it's not somebody that's like a safe pick that you can plug in and, and add some depth to right away, it's at least somebody that you can play overseas and you don't have to worry about working into a swarm system or or him getting buried necessarily in a rotation because he's going to get plenty of time to play 
um, overseas. They also made another selection, Amari Bailey, um, another guard uh, from UCLA, was one of the few players that was – you know, maybe mocked to the first round at times that had a really good NCAA tournament and some injury opportunity uh, opened up, uh, or or there were some injuries at UCLA that opened up an opportunity, I should say, for the UCLA product. And Amari Bailey is an interesting cat because, like, you don't – in transition, he looks, like, super explosive and can get up, got some hops, can dunk it. Um, can shoot it. The percentages look good. Nearly uh, shot 50% from the field. I think ended the season at around 38 or 39% from three. Didn't take a ton, though. Uh, you know, I think he averaged like 1.8 three-point attempts per game at UCLA. And so you're wondering, okay, that offense at UCLA was not the offense at Alabama. It wasn't a wide-open offense. So maybe – you know, he didn't take a ton because there weren't a ton of threes to take. You know, if the spacing is not there, the spacing's not there sometimes. Even good shooters, you know, need something to happen within the offense to open them up a little bit. And so maybe that's the case. Maybe he comes in and just <clears throat> knocks down three after three at Summer League. That's something we really haven't seen. You know, you, you think about Summer League last year, they didn't have a lot of guys that could handle the ball. They didn't have a lot of guys that could shoot in that Summer League. So there's plenty of opportunity for Brandon Miller for Amari Bailey uh, and Nick Smith Jr. to come in and just light up the summer league with three-pointer after three-pointer, uh, that there's a potential for them to have a summer league team that actually you know, can win some basketball games and compete. That doesn't often happen. It doesn't really mean anything for like the regular season. But uh, it could be an exciting thing to watch um, if uh, because they've drafted a lot of offense. But Amari Bailey does have some defensive upside as well, too. I mean, he is – you know, he's somebody that is committed to that end of the floor. Has a, probably of the players that they took in this draft, has the most potential to be a three and D role player, because and a, possibly a, a lockdown defender. I mean, there is that again. It's not guaranteed, but there is some upside there on the defensive end of the floor for Amari Bailey. Uh, and and just has that you know kind of natural combo guard game that you like and has has a number of ways I think because to make up for the fact that like the half court explosiveness isn't there but I think he showed off like enough ways craftiness that reminds me a little bit of how Bryce McGowan's kind of navigates through the lane and, and but but Bryce McGowan's way more more explosive I think uh, projects out than Amari Bailey but I think these you know Amari Amari Bailey where he went in this draft I think it was you know, a really good pick. So here are the stats on him, 19 years old, 6'3". So again, on the shorter end of the, I think, combo guard situation, 190. So he has some work to do physically. Yeah, did shoot 39% from three. The free throw percentage was almost at 70%. So that's decent. Averaged 11 points per game, four rebounds. I mean, the the, the raw stats don't jump off the page. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think his scoring ability off the dribble is what you really look at as like, oh, okay, that's the one thing that, you know, can probably let him hang in a rotation or or possibly, uh, you know, carve out a role for himself. But the effort level on the defensive end, I think, is what's going to excite Steve Clifford. So that's my breakdown. That's kind of an initial breakdown of where these where these picks are. I think it was a good draft night overall. If you if you just kind of take a step back and look at, yes, disappointing for a lot of Scoot fans, including myself, that they didn't make the pick of Scoot. 
But there are some exciting pieces that they added to this team. Could be a little bit of a last dance situation for Mitch Kupchak and company. Um, did he did he hit on a few more second round picks uh, before this new ownership group takes over? Uh, could that save his job potentially? Look, if Brandon Miller is rookie of the year all of a sudden, I don't think you know the chances are pretty low. I don't know what the Vegas odds are yet, uh, but it's, I would say the chances are pretty low. But if he is, you know, potentially job saving. Uh, for Mitch Kupchak. Some interesting comments from Mitch Kupchak that I want to get into early next week as well um, after this draft. I don't think they did a great job of selling this Brandon Miller pick, but I don't, you know, ultimately I don't think it's up to them to sell this pick. It's up to Brandon Miller to sell this pick and and we're going to see what happens. Thanks so much for watching Locked On Hornets. We are a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen today. Make your second listen game-to-game NBA every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game-to-Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game-to-Game on Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. We'll see you on Monday with Walker Mail. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.